Uh, we Last year we had our name, the Year Gathering, and this year is called the Year of Jubilee. We have our banners. We're all up to date and ready to go. Oh, I forgot to do it again. Man, my memory, not good. Okay, anyway, it's all good. We'll survive. So this is the Year of Jubilee. So we're going to take a quick look back to last week's uh, main points, and then we're going to jump forward into today's message. So if you want to look at it, last week could be like part one and this week part two, all right? So if you miss one or the other, then you can go online and uh, take a look at it. So here we go. Uh, the year of Jubilee. So let's take a quick look. Uh, so these, are, these were our main thoughts from last week. Begin the, so when the year of Jubilee happened in Jewish tradition, they began the year with fasting and repentance. Whoa, we did, we did good. All right. So that was the Hebrew tradition to begin the year with fasting and repentance. Then they reminded themselves that everything they have is the Lord's. So we can take that on today. Everything that we have is the Lord's. No, pastor, that's mine. Ooh. Everything we have is the Lord's. Your fishing tackle, your fried chicken you can't eat right now, uh, your, uh, what else, your vehicle, your home, even your children. That's the Lord's, right? You may think, well, my kids are a bit psycho. That's okay. They're the Lord's. It's all good. <laughs> oh, man, it's not my kid. It's the Lord's. All right. All uh, right. It doesn't quite work that way. But anyways, everything we have is Lord's. The, here's the next one. Shame and addiction is released. In Jewish tradition, uh, slaves were released. For us, I believe that translates to release from things we are slaves to, like addictions and shame. All right, so we uh, talked last week. There's actually more slavery going on in our world today than there ever has been before, so I don't want to, like, confuse people. But in our, uh, in our i, I got to be careful what I say here because I don't want to say something that's wrong, but, like, I don't believe there's any slave owners here. Let me just say it that way, to my knowledge. And so uh, we're not talking about slavery in that sense. We're talking about slave uh, to addictions and shame. And every single one of us, whether we deal with it or we know someone that deals with it or, or whatever, right? We, we're, we're around it, right? So shame and addiction is released in the year of Jubilee. And the next uh, one, final one from last week was this, when Jesus reigns. And this is speaking to, I said last week, Jesus does reign, so don't worry about it. Nothing changed. But this speaks to when Jesus reigns in eternity. When he comes back, he reigns forever, all right? So today, let's continue this message by focusing on our theme scripture from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. If you, if you need a verse to memorize this year or to to read every day, to just kind of focus yourself. I invite you to uh, read from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. It's our theme scripture, and it says this, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. It's kind of like what I'm doing right now. I'm standing up to read, all right? And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written in Isaiah. It says this in verse 18 of Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this references 
the year of Jubilee. So when you see this, these words, the year of the Lord's favor, it's actually uh, uh, referencing the year of Jubilee in Leviticus. Verse 20, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, here's the deal. If I read you uh, this passage from Isaiah 61 today and sat down, you would be like, what is he doing? Right? Because I am not the Lord. But when Jesus reads it, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's putting those words on his shoulders because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to sit at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today, we're going to mostly focus on verses 18 and 19. Uh, our theme text for this year and today is unique in Scripture. It, this is, when we read this passage, when it says that Jesus went, uh, let me see what it says here, and he came to Nazareth. So when it says that in verse 16, uh, it's Jesus' first visit to Nazareth in ministry. So when he's reading this scripture to the people, it's his first visit to Nazareth in ministry. The book of Luke is actually the only one of the gospels to record this visit to Nazareth. It's kind of interesting. Jesus, in our passage from Luke 4, speaks about three things. So these three things are going to highlight for us today. And I'd like to take these three things uh, three things as a church this year, I want to take it on for, for us as a church, like a prophetic word. I, I say that a lot, like a prophetic word, and it's just something that God is speaking. We just believe God is speaking these words to our Northern Life Church family. So I, I believe they will direct, these words will direct us in, uh, spiritually and as a church this year. So it happens both internally, but both, uh, also as a congregation. So here's, our, here's the first one. So these are our three thoughts today. I'm giving them to you off the top. Jesus is the anointed one. So I want you to take that on in your life this year, everywhere you go. Jesus is the anointed one. When you're shopping, we just remember, Jesus is the anointed one. When we're uh, having a difficult phone call with somebody, we're saying Jesus is the anointed one. The next one here, the year of Jubilee has begun. So we're declaring that over our church. The year of Jubilee, the year of favor has begun at Northern Life Church. And then finally, Jesus will work through us by God's grace. Okay, so let's jump into the first thought today. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus was anointed to minister to everyone and bring salvation to them. So you and I are also anointed. I'm not sure, but we're anointed as sons and daughters of the king. Woohoo! All right, we're anointed. But we can't save anybody. Right? Have you ever met somebody that tries to save a friend or family member? I'll do it. I'll save them. It just, it's just disastrous most of the time, right? It's like, no, you're just getting suckered by that person. That's at least my experience, all right? We can't save nobody. And when someone says, you saved me, you need to correct them. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Jesus is the only one that saves. I may have helped you. I may have steered you in a good direction. But Jesus is the one who saves. We are to operate in that same atmosphere spiritually, that we are anointed and that we know that Jesus saves. We are to minister to everyone and offer salvation through Jesus Christ. Do you know what the funny thing is? I don't know if you've noticed it in our world, but we like to make tribes out of everyone, right? There's this tribe, there's that tribe. I'm the gangster tribe. I'm the sports tribe. 
I'm the, I'm the educational tribe. I'm the spiritual tribe. We like to create all these tribes. We are to minister to everyone. There's no groups when it comes to God's kingdom. It's not like, well, they're from French Northern Ontario. No, they're from English Northern Ontario. No, they're from so far you have to take an ice road. No, they're, they're, it's everyone. As simple as, are you breathing? Yes, you're everyone then. All right, simple as that. We are to minister to everyone and offer salvation through Jesus Christ. Let's talk about anointing for a moment. The word anointing that we see in scripture, what does that word mean? Well, it means to rub or sprinkle on, apply an unguent or an ointment or an oily liquid to. I, I saw my, my first pastor when I was in ministry, he did an anointing service one day and he brought up the biggest bottle of oil you could find. And he was like, woo, painting with it. It was like everywhere on people. I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, people were moist for months after that. It was crazy. And I was like, what is this guy doing? But I, I kind of, I, <laughs> I wasn't used to that. That's why I was a little jarred by it. But uh, the truth is, it's okay. It's the word anoint means to rubber sprinkle. Well, he wasn't sprinkling. He was like oiling liquid to them. Anyways, one commentator wrote this, literal oil was applied, but as a sign of the Holy Spirit upon their life and service, the oil on the head was only the outward representation of the real spiritual work going on inside. So that means that when we're anointed, there's a real spiritual work going on inside. I, you know what? It doesn't happen so much to me uh, now since I've lived here for all these years now. But the truth is, is I've come, I'd come across many people over the years who they love to tell me, Pastor, I'm anointed. And I think, you're annoying. Yes. But anointed, I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. It's because there's, there has to be, when we're, when we're anointed by the King of Kings, when we're anointed by the Holy Spirit, there has to be a spiritual work going on inside them. There has to be. Do you know that uh, some of the mentors I have, uh, I really got some great mentors right now. I'm so thankful for them. But, like, they don't pull any punches. They don't care who I am. They don't care what I've done. They don't care if my message last week was good. They don't care who I know. They don't care uh, how nice I look that day. None of that. They just want to know if I'm growing spiritually. That's it. That's it. I, I met with my one, uh, one of my mentors. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. We'd just been texting back and forth. He's been doing stuff. I've been doing stuff. So I met with him last month. And he, we were right back at it. How are you growing spiritually? How are you growing spiritually? So the truth is, every single one of us, if we are to con if we're believing, and I, I believe that we're anointed, but if, if we believe that, we need to be growing spiritually. Well, you know, my, my favorite, one of my favorite jokes, well, I got saved in 1965. Good for you. Have you grown since 1965? Well, Pastor, I got saved in 1996. That was a good year. I remember it. Have you grown since 1996? Like, that's, that's what it's about. We got to move forward. We got to go somewhere. Right? That's why, quite frankly, that's why I'd like to, us to do 21 days of prayer in the new year. Because I need to grow. It's not just for you guys. It's for me. Let's pray together. Come on. You know, I'm like the biggest couch potato going sometimes. But we got to get off our behind sometimes and get going. All right? So the truth is, are we growing spiritually? I wasn't supposed to stay that long there. 
Anyways, there we go. Our next, uh, another commentator wrote this. Jesus, he was anointed by the Spirit to minister to all kinds of needy people and bring them the salvation of the Lord. Let me read that again. He was anointed by the Spirit to minister to all kinds of needy people and bring them the salvation of the Lord. Now, some of you are better at this than I am, but there's a lot of needy people around us. Would you not agree with me? And I don't mean like annoying needy. I mean like actually needy. Like they need Jesus or they need food. They need shelter. They need hope, whatever, right? Serious stuff. In this passage in Luke, we see Jesus reference the fivefold, or you could say five-part damage that sin brings into each of our lives if we let it go unchecked by the Holy Spirit. So sin will enter our lives if we let it go unchecked by the Holy Spirit, or maybe there's sin in our lives, it's unchecked because we don't even know who Jesus is, right? If you don't know who Jesus is, do you even know what sin is? You know, if you right from wrongs, I don't go around shooting people. Okay, good for you. That's a low bar, right? <laughs> oh, at least in this country. Anyways, uh, so that's what so that's what sin is. So here's this five part, five fold uh, uh, reference that Jesus gives to the damage of sin. So here's the first part. He says, in, in this prophetic word he gives from Isaiah 61, he says, "To preach the gospel to the poor." Now hear this: sin impoverishes. And the Messiah brings good news to the poor. So let me say it again. Sin sin impoverishes. Sin takes away. It it rips things from us. But the Messiah brings good news to the poor. Sin always takes away from us. But the Lord provides and increases in our lives. Did you know that? Sin will rob you, but the Lord will provide and he will increase in your life. Sin will rob us spiritually. Sin will rob us emotionally and physically. But Jesus leaves this responsibility to us now uh, when we think of it in our modern days, so to speak. It's our responsibility to share the good news to the poor that he is alive. If you know someone poor in your life, poor in any capacity, it is your responsibility to share to them that Jesus is alive. Well, pastor, that's really hard. I I get it. It's hard for me too. But that's our responsibility. That's what he's called us to do. How could we call ourselves saved if we don't even tell people about him? It's it's not a secret we're supposed to, oh, don't tell anyone about Jesus. That's not how this works. We're to tell people that there is good news, that Jesus is alive, all right? There we go. Here's the next one. To heal the brokenhearted. Sin breaks hearts. You ever get your heart broken in high school? Anybody? You remember someone that you're like, man, that jerk. I can't, or am I allowed to say that? Stella's not here, so it's okay. Man, I just, I, <laughs> oh man, I'm thinking back. I remember grade nine so well. It was so awkward and weird. Oh my goodness. So many weird things happened. Sin breaks hearts. Sin breaks hearts. And the Messiah has good news for the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted for anything, anything, I've got good news. Jesus is alive. And he can heal our broken hearts. We live in a time where this is so critical. You don't meet many people that aren't brokenhearted. Have you ever met someone that's, I've never been brokenhearted. They're probably lying if you hear someone say that. 
right? Everyone's been brokenhearted. I get brokenhearted every spring by the Leafs, right? <laughs> every fall by the Blue Jays, right? And now that the Raptors traded all their best players, the Raptors, all right? I get, I'm just brokenhearted all the time. You don't meet many people that aren't brokenhearted. You also don't meet many people that don't have a server, uh, excuse me, you don't meet many people that don't have a severe case of brokenheartedness. Most people have severely been brokenhearted. But there is healing in the name of Jesus. Whenever you come across someone that's brokenhearted, maybe you're brokenhearted today. Maybe you're watching and you're brokenhearted. I want you to know this. Jesus heals broken hearts. He does. He heals the brokenhearted. I'm sure there are many people here today that need to hear that. So Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Here's the next Here's the next part. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Sin makes people captive and, and enslaves them. And the Messiah comes to set them free. So, again, this is significant for us today. Some of us learned uh, that, you know, I've been joking about this the last few days. Some of us have learned that we've been slaves to sugar and caffeine, right? I learned that, okay? If you didn't learn that, you're not fasting, obviously. But even though some of our habits don't seem bad, quote-unquote, we're slaves to them. And ultimately, they take us away from the presence of God. Do you know that I've been reminded that food, hear me out, food takes us away from the presence of God? It does. If you actually just, (laughs) if you actually remove certain foods from your life, you realize that it actually takes you away from the presence of God. Just something as simple as that. Well, pastor, eating food isn't a sin. Of course not. But anything that becomes elevated in any capacity becomes something that needs to be rolled back and taken away. It removes us from the presence of God. The presence of God isn't just found for a few minutes when you gather in a church building on a Sunday each week like this. That's not where the presence of God is. It's not like when you walk in the door, oh, finally, I'm in the presence of God. No, he's everywhere. Of course he is. The presence of God goes with us, walks with us, speaks to us, leads us, directs our paths. Jesus will free us from what we hold captive. I've been amazed at home uh, this the last couple of weeks. Uh, can I, is Arlene here? No, okay. I was a little, I was a little bothered. I didn't tell her this, and she doesn't like watching, so that's okay. She won't watch after, unless you guys spill the beans on me. She told me she said we're not going to have any caffeine for the Daniel fast. And on my face, I said, of course. But inside, I was like, are you kidding me? What's wrong with you? Like, coffee beans grow from trees. That's organic. That's not from an animal. It's from, it grows from trees. They roast it. We drink it. Come on, it's simple. I was, I was cheese, man. But I've been amazed at, while well, I've been at home the last few weeks, not having coffee, but it's actually changed a lot for me. It has. I, for the most part, drink black coffee from good coffee beans. It's organic, right? Simple. But do you want to know something? I've slept better and discovered more clarity and that I have more energy since I stopped drinking it. Well, pastor, it's not a sin to drink coffee. Of course not. But look what happens when we have too much of something. Look what happens. I enjoy a cup in the morning as much as anyone. I'm using this as an example because some of us have things, we have vices that control us that we just need to give up and give away. That's, that's, that's the situation for some of us. 
in our world, many things we enjoy cost money, right? Not many things are free. I know some of you guys like free stuff, but not many things are free, except for Jesus. In our world, many things we enjoy cost money. Some of us simply need to give things up and we'll even save some money in the process, right? Just give up a few things. We'll save some money in the process. Here's our next one. Recovery of sight to the blind. Sin blinds us, and the Messiah comes to heal our spiritual and moral blindness. We've actually seen this in our own church where someone was losing sight and gained it back through prayer. Crazy. Crazy. I have not witnessed someone who was legally blind gain their sight back, but I've, I've heard, read stories where it's happened. Of course, we see it written in Scripture as well. Jesus can heal our physical blindness. Don't mistake yourself. He can heal physical blindness, but he will also heal our spiritual blindness. And many of us have fallen into that trap. I've actually, <laughs> if you were to say, well, how many people have you met who are actually blind? There'd be a number. And then there'd be a number of the spiritual blind, and it would be like majority of us, whether we're believers or not, spiritually blind. Many of us have fallen into this trap. Here's our next one. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Sin oppresses its victims, and the Messiah comes to bring liberty to the oppressed. You are free indeed because of Jesus, something that we must never forget. You are free. Never forget it. You are free. Never forget it. So here's our next point today. Those were all sub points to Jesus is the anointed one. All right, here's the next one. The year of Jubilee has begun. The year of Jubilee meant that slaves were set free, debts were canceled, and things set to a new start when everything in Israel was restored to its proper place. So the year of Jubilee was a reset for the Jewish people. We talked about it a bit last week. Uh, One commentator said, Jesus came to preach the Lord's acceptable year, a reference to the year of Jubilee. And then he says, it is just possible that the reason Jesus returned to his hometown, Nazareth, was because it was a jubilee year. Imagine that. that, Wouldn't that be something? The year of jubilee is significant. Through Jesus, we see that there's a shift. uh, uh, There's a shift from the Levitical concept. This is what Jesus does. He shifts the Levitical concept of this representing a change in a political or economic sense to Jesus, and he switches it to a physical and spiritual sense. There's restoration, there's freedom, there's a reset in our physical and spiritual selves. One commentator wrote this, the main purpose of this special year was the balancing of the economic system. Slaves were set free and returned to their families. Property that was sold reverted to the original owners, and all debt were canceled. The land lay fallow as men and beasts rested and rejoiced in the Lord. So we have three elements here. There's actually four, but I'll deal with rejoicing later. So we have three, three elements. Slaves were freed, property was returned, and land, the land rested. For me, those are three principles for us this year as a church, that we would be set free, that property would be returned, and that land rested. We used to sing this song. I'm not sure how biblically correct it was. I kind of was unsure when we were in youth. When I was a young person, we sang this song. Uh, how did it go? It was so corny. Uh, oh, man. Uh, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. Took back. Anyways, I'm not going to go on. It was, it was a corny song, but it, people got excited back then. Anyways, the truth is that the enemy does take things from us from time to time. 
That part's true. He does take things. So when we say uh, uh, slaves are set free, property returned, land rested, it's a restoration process in our lives when we think of the year of Jubilee. We touched on them last week, but I want to discuss them again today. Uh, We think of this uh, slave set free. For our church in our lives, each of us are slaves to sin. Each of us are slaves to sin. Well, pastor, what is sin? Come on. What is sin? Well, sin is simply this. It's the transgression of God's will, either by doing what he forbids or failing to do what he requires. That's sin. Doing what he forbids or failing to do what he requires. In the context of our teaching today, being a slave to sin means that we should always operate in freedom. Free from sin that shackles us. Last week I said that we simply need to bring sin into the light. I really don't care what we uh, carry. I believe and know that Christ has set us free. Too many of us operate like Jesus can't free us from the sin in our lives. We operate like, oh, it's just too big for Jesus to handle. Stop it. He died for your sin. He did. And he set the whole thing right just by sacrificing his life. Jesus has set us free. Today, I invite you to leave sin at the altar of our Lord where we will be sanctified and made new. Maybe you just, maybe we'll provide, maybe we'll probably provide some space at the end. Or if you just want to say, God, I'm just going to leave, just, it's an expression of physically leaving my sin. We're just going to, I'm just going to come to the front of the room and just kneel at the altar and leave my sin. I'm going to leave it behind so that he can wash me clean and I'd be happy to pray for you. So, the, so that's the first one, slaves free. Secondly, property return. For our church in our lives, uh, when I think of the concept uh, in the year of Jubilee of land being restored, returned, my mind goes to returning and restoration. So when the, in the year of Jubilee for the Jewish culture, land is returned. So what does that mean for us? Well, for me, my mind goes to returning and restoration. One commentator wrote this. He came to let the world know that the God whom they had offended was willing to be reconciled to them and to accept them upon new terms that there was yet a way of making their services acceptable to him, that there is now a time of goodwill toward men. Don't mistake yourself. Like New Testament uh, Jewish people, Gentiles, uh, when the, the Jewish people looked at the Gentiles, who are basically just us, we're Gentiles. If, we, if you want to insert yourself into that terminology. We've often turned our back and offended God by our actions and deeds. These Jewish people that Jesus was reading to, they had turned their back and offended God. That's what, was, that's what he was, op, that's the, the space, the culture he was operating in. He's not like us today. Like, I, uh, uh, the I shouldn't say this. A new friend of mine in town, let me say it that way. He was telling me that he would, he, he, he would go door to door at a big city in our country. And someone actually said to him one time, I don't need Jesus. I got food in the cupboard, money in the bank. I'm good. That's what happens in a secular liberal society like the one we live in. That's what happens. Is that we actually turn our back and we offend God by our actions and our deeds. Even still, through Jesus, he is willing to reconcile himself to us. Let me tell you something. Jesus accepts us. Jesus accepts us. 
There's a lot of debate about who God accepts in our society. If you've been alive recently, but you probably have noticed this, there's a lot of debate about who God accepts in our society. There is biblically no debate of who God accepts. God accepts everyone. There's no like, well, does he accept me? Of course he does. He accepts everybody. Every one of us is a sinner. Don't kid yourself. I don't care what your, your, your lifestyle is. Every one of us is a sinner. Well, pastor, I'm a pretty good person. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you make really nice chocolate chip cookies. That's good. But every single one of us is a sinner. I don't get why people get off thinking, oh, no, I'm good. I make good banana bread. It's all good. Stop it. That has nothing to do, of course, it has nothing to do with nothing. He accepts us. Every one of us is a sinner in need of the Savior. Every single one of us. I don't care what tribe, what tongue, what, uh, what nation you come from. Every single one of us is in need of the Savior. If you feel like you've pulled away from the Lord, you've not been 100% obedient, maybe even you've put up a wall between you and him, I want to invite you to repentance it's time to return to the Lord. Repentance. It's time to return to the Lord. I need to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have put up those walls. I shouldn't have put elevated things in my life above you. It's time to return to the Lord. Then our next part here, the land rested. I've talked about it a lot last week and I mentioned it already this week. A couple days ago, uh, Bridget helped, me, helped remind me of something. We aren't uh, right on the number, but we're very close. We're very close. Our main campus building, so this building that you, that you and I are sitting in, a uh, little current, the one in Espanola, if you're watching online, the one you drive by on the highway, the building in Espanola, right here where I'm standing, our main campus uh, has been on this site. It ha our church has been around for longer, but the, this building has been on this site for just over 50 years just over. It, depending on when people first walk through the door, we may be 50 and a half years, 51 years, something like that, but no more than 52 years. And if you need confirmation, I got it confirmed by the resident historian through Bridget, all right? Wow. We are, man, man we're just so close. We're maybe tops two years off, even less, but even by number, we're close to the year of Jubilee at Northern Life Church. We're right there, guys. We're right there. In ancient Israel, when they celebrated a year of Jubilee, the ground lay fallow, it rested, and the people rejoiced in the Lord. Now, it's taken me two weeks to get here, but when I say the year of Jubilee, I want you to think about rejoicing. All right? That's what I want you to think about. I'm not sure what that totally means. Uh, I, I, do, I do know what rejoicing means. I'm not sure what it means for our, the, the ground to rest around us, maybe literally spiritually. I'm not sure what that means right now for us. Uh, but maybe some of you have suggestions about what it means for the ground to rest at Northern Life Church. What, like physically, uh, spiritually, you could let me know what you feel like God is speaking to you. But I love the part of rejoicing, rejoicing. I'm not sure how to say this, but we need to do a better job rejoicing these days. Come on, turn that frown upside down, do, 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 right? We need to do a better job rejoicing. I challenge you to come to the house of the Lord full of joy. 
Each week. What? I can do that maybe once, Pastor. That's it. No, each week. I don't care what you got to do. You, if you have to wake up at 2 a.m. on Sunday, so you get a good eight hours of grumpiness before your joy comes out. I don't care what it takes. We need people that are coming in here joyful, ready to worship, ready to encounter God, whether to uh, be joyous around each other, celebrate around each other. Whoa, you had a birthday. Woo! I don't know. Whatever it takes. Man, you parked that car so good today. Wow. Right? Whatever it takes. We need to be we need to be filled with joy. We gather together because something special happens when people come together and worship the Lord. Even next Sunday, we have another opportunity to come together in unity and worship the Lord together. With our night of worship, we're closing off our 21 days of prayer and fasting with a night of worship with the Lighthouse. You've heard about it. The Lighthouse Church is going to come. We need to rejoice. Get pumped up. Come on, let's get excited about something. God is going to do something. It's okay. You know, Pastor, I don't know. It's okay to yell in church. Yeah, lots of people yell in church. I yell all the time. You know, come on. We need to get excited about it. Shouts of joy. It's in the Bible. Raise our hands. Say, God, you're awesome. It's okay. He can handle it. I'm exhausted. Here's our third and final point today. Worship team, would you uh, make your way up here? Jesus will work through us by God's grace. I can't help but think of Jesus in the temple reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And as he's reading, he knows something is shifting in the room before anyone else does. Just picture with me Jesus in a temple with these Jewish leaders in the, in the synagogue there in Nazareth. He's reading Isaiah 61. Some of them are probably thinking, wow, it's, it's a good passage. But just imagine the point where everyone begins to realize that he isn't just reading scripture. He's revealing who he is. He is declaring that he is the anointed one, the Messiah, the one the people had been waiting for. On top of that, he declares freedom to everyone. Not just the Jewish people. I want you to take note. Jesus doesn't just take uh, Jesus doesn't just declare freedom to the Jewish people. He declares freedom for everyone. That would have really ticked the Jewish people off. A good thing to remember is that when you read the word Gentile in Scripture, it basically means anyone who was not Jewish. That's what the word Gentile is. That's us. In fact, because this statement in Luke 4 is for everyone... We know that his words led these Jewish people to ultimately crucify him because he said he was the Messiah. The word of the Lord will convict us and set us free. One commentator wrote this, he had certainly brought good news of salvation to bankrupt sinners and healing to brokenhearted and rejected people. He had delivered many from blindness and from bondage to demons and disease. Indeed, it was a spiritual year of jubilee for the nation of Israel. So this year of Jubilee at Northern Life Church, Lord, may it be filled with good news for those who don't know you, healing to those brokenhearted and rejected, deliver those with both spiritual and physical blindness, deliver those in the bondage of demons and disease. Would you stand with me today? And we're going to declare this together, what I just said. I, I want you to say this with me today. 
this is our takeaway, but it's a, I believe it's a prophetic word that we can declare over our lives and over our church. I think you can see it better today. Repeat after me. This is the year of Jubilee. Lord, may it be filled with, the, with good news for those who don't know you. Healing to those brokenhearted and rejected. Deliver those with both spiritual and physical blindness. Deliver those in the bondage of demons and disease. Let's pray. So God, we just thank you today. Lord, these words, they're not spoken just to make us feel good or make us look good. But God, I pray that as we go uh, about our days, that we'd be reminded of these words, that this is the year of Jubilee, that it's filled with good news for those who don't know you, that there's healing for those that are brokenhearted and rejected, that there's deliverance for those in both spiritual and physical blindness, that there's deliverance for those in the bondage of demons and disease. God, I pray that you would remind us of these words as we go around, Lord, as we, uh, for some of us, as we enter our homes, for some of us, as we enter our workplaces, for some of us, as we go to school, for some of us, as we walk the streets, God, would you remind us that these words are not just nice things, but we are praying and declaring that this is the year of Jubilee, where there is good news to those who don't know you, that there is healing for those brokenhearted and rejected, that there's deliverance for, uh, for both spiritual and physical blindness, that there's deliverance for those in bondage of demons and disease. God, these are real things, and we are believing in faith this year in particular that you will deliver your people. You will deliver people who don't even know you yet, Lord. And God, there will be people that will this year call you by name for the first time, Lord. Maybe there's someone watching today at our little current campus or even right here at our Espanola campus who does not know you, Lord. So God, today we pray in Jesus' name that you would open our eyes and you bring good news to those who don't know you, that you bring good news to the captives and set them free in Jesus' name. So God, we thank you today. We give you praise today. And God, we are, I, can't, I can't explain it, Lord, but you've brought us together for such a time as this. I don't know why, I don't know the reasons, but you've done it. So Father, would you lead us today? Would you strengthen us today? Lord, for those that just feel weak in faith, Lord, I pray that you would make them strong in faith. Lord, for those that feel weak physically today, I pray for strength physically in their bodies today. And God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would be with us, on us, and work through us. God, you are good. Jesus, you are greatly to be praised in this place. So, Lord, as we sing this final song and as we declare that you, Lord Jesus, are holy forever, that we've been forgiven and redeemed, and that's why we can sing that Jesus is holy forever. So, God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your scripture, Lord, from Luke chapter 4. God, I pray that this is the year of Jubilee. I pray that we come and we rejoice not just today, 
not just next week, but every single time we come together, that we would be a rejoicing people, that we are rejoicing in the Lord, that shackles of, of fear and anxiety would fall away and that we would be filled with joy in Jesus' name. And for those that need to repent today, I pray that we would come to the altar and seek repentance today.